Porn Free Radio, episode 165. Well, hello again, everybody. This is Matt. I'm recording on Wednesday and publishing on Wednesday our normal schedule uh, for Porn Free Radio. Back on track. If you're just checking your feed this week, you'll notice that two episodes dropped this week. I just recorded and released episode 164 uh, earlier this week, and uh, here I am back on 165, and we're jumping in. I actually have two topics today that I want to talk about. Uh, one of them is real practical. I want to give you uh, a quick action that you can take after a relapse. Now, it's a little hard to implement, but if you commit to it, um, I think it will actually help you um, steer out of um, some of the mistakes guys make right after relapse and get back on track. So that's the one thing I'm going to share. Uh, the second thing I'm going to share is I got asked recently uh, by a guy who said, hey, Matt, I really just want to put this behind me. Uh, I want to get the tools that you suggest. I want to get them in place. And then I just want to put porn in the rearview mirror. Like I don't want to look back. Well, I want to talk about why I understand uh, that impulse. I understand that idea of wanting to just kind of put this behind me, but I want to talk about why it's important to integrate uh, some of our challenges and some of our falls with pornography into our life going forward and why that's really important uh, for our wholeness. All right, so I'm going to do those topics today. And hey, I want to say one other thing. Uh, episode 164, I talked about decreasing the hesitation. And one challenge that I've been having with Porn Free Radio when I record is I stop recording sometimes. I, I get distracted. I, I just kind of hesitate. Uh, sometimes I burp or I cough or something. And then I, I kind of lose the flow. So in today's episode, better or for worse, I'm not editing it and I'm going to get this stuff out. I'm just going to share what's on my heart today and invite you to go with me. So it might not be perfect today. Um, but I'm just going to do it. I'm going to decrease the hesitation and just do the show. All right, let's start the, uh, play the music. Welcome to Porn Free Radio. This is the podcast where motivated guys who want to quit looking at porn, get hope, and take action. Even if you feel lost right now or out of control, you can recover and live a meaningful life, free from shame and full of love. Now here's your host, coach, and podcaster, Matt Dobschutz. All right, well, I'm excited to be recording today. I'm actually in a podcast studio, a pro studio. I'm talking in a pro mic right now. A friend of mine does a business podcast, and he generously gave me the keys to the studio and said, hey, if you want to go in there and record, go for it. And so here I am today, and I, I really feel like I should be doing like a live radio show and take calls or something. Maybe we can make that happen in the future because uh, it's cool to just be in this environment. And uh, I always kind of wanted to do radio. Uh, I did do college radio uh, early on in the late 80s. Uh, I was a rap DJ and uh, and that was fun. I was a horrible DJ. I, I just was really bad on air. I was always fumbling over my words, and but I really loved doing it. It was super fun. And I grew up listening to radio. I listened to uh, a lot of the local radio in Chicago growing up. And I also listened to like Howard Stern and Steve Dahl and some of these 
radio icons. Um, I loved, I loved the way that they create. Some people are thinking, oh, Howard Stern. But, you know, the one thing about Howard Stern, if you ever listened, he created sort of this community. You know, the, the, there were other characters on the show, other people that uh, were on the show every morning with him. And you kind of felt like as a listener, like you were part of the show, like you got to know the people. And, um, and what's interesting is whenever I talk to podcast listeners, if, if guys uh, call up to, to maybe do coaching or if they meet me in person, they say this thing. The first thing they say is, I feel like I know you. And that's the cool thing about this medium is you do get to know the people. It's not, it's not totally, you don't totally know me, but you know me pretty well. <laughs> you know a lot of my quirks. You know some of the stuff um, that I've shared. And, and, you know, I try to be honest and vulnerable here. So in some ways, you do know me. Um, so I love this medium because of that. And so it's cool to be in an environment that really feels like a pro studio. Like, I feel like I'm kind of doing my dream job in some ways. And so I hope that the audio quality goes up. I'm, I'm still using an old Tascam recorder, which might contribute to some, <laughs> not the best audio, but whatever. We're, we're moving forward. And if this works, uh, maybe we'll start to, to, you know, maybe we'll get an engineer in here and do a, a little more of a pro pro. I almost said pro broadcast, but I guess it is a podcast. Uh, so a little different, a pro recording session. Anyway, um, before I get into today's topics, and there's two topics that I want to get into, uh, I want to invite you guys, if you're looking for a powerful recovery group uh, where there's consistent, safe, honest, hope-filled people who get it, uh, who are committed to what you want, uh, eliminating porn from their lives, uh, go to recoveredman.com slash register. That's recoveredman.com slash register. And sign up to be on the waiting list for one of our Rev Group coaching groups. And uh, Rev meets throughout the week. And uh, we just launched a European Rev Group uh, that meets Wednesday afternoons uh, in the States, but Wednesday evening in Europe. And uh, so sign up for one of those Rev Groups and, you know, kind of jumpstart your recovery. You might have been listening uh, for the last couple months and you know, have this growing awareness of some things you need to do, some actions you need to take, but they're, you're just not following through. Well, the best action that you can take is to create powerful connection. Uh, because when you're in a safe connection with a group of people who get it, uh, it's a lot easier to move into uh, to making a plan or to just follow through on things that you want to commit to. Um, so I really recommend that. And guys, I know there's a waiting list right now. So if a number of guys sign up, if we get like three or four guys to sign up in the next week or two, um, I'll consider uh, reaching out to you guys and see if there's a time that we can meet and we could form a new group. Uh, so it's definitely a possibility. And again, if you're in Europe, Middle East, or Africa, and you want to meet Wednesday evenings uh, with a group of guys uh, in your region, kind of your time zones, um, go to recoveredman.com slash register and get in one of those groups. Now, uh, this is the ironic thing. I tried to create this Euro group uh, to be really, you know, to kind of help guys in Europe. And, and you know, Americans can be a little American-centric. I get it, guys. I, I know we're a little... 
Uh, we don't really see past our borders sometimes. And, <laughs> and so I, I was really trying hard um, in my communication to say, hey, we're going to schedule this, this time and it's going to be convenient for you. And um, uh, it's going to be at eight o'clock British summertime and it's going to be nine o'clock Central Europe time and it's going to meet every Wednesday. And so I set up the first group and everything was great. And then England and Croatia end up doing great in the World Cup, and they schedule the England-Croatia game during our first rev group for Europe. Like, what are the chances? <laughs> it's okay. We're going to meet anyway. I think it's going to be at halftime. Uh, so hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll work out, but uh, I just think it's hilarious. You know, here the American is trying to create, create a Europe friendly group and, uh, I schedule, <laughs> I schedule the first group during the penultimate, uh, game of the biggest sporting event in the world, uh, outside of the Olympics. So, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. So anyway, I've been watching a lot of world cup. Um, because the U S has been out of it. So I've just been watching a lot of other teams. Uh, and, uh, so I'm, I'm interested to see who wins between England and Croatia. And, and, uh, so we'll see by the time you hear this podcast, uh, the game will probably have already been played. So you'll know the, you'll know the outcome. Um, all right, so let's get into this. I wanted uh, to start with something practical first. Uh, this is right after a relapse. Now, this comes on the heels of the Rev Group uh, uh, promo here, and uh, you're going to understand why being in a group like Rev is really important uh, for even dealing with the relapse. And so the reason why is because you have connection uh, with people um, that you can uh, use for this technique. So what happens when you have a relapse or a slip, like where you just kind of get out of control and you, you kind of slip back into porn or porn behaviors. You, uh, the next day or the, you know, in the, in the days after you start trying to reassess, like, like what, um, what do I need to do differently? And you start having all these ideas and we always start with, you know, things like, oh, well maybe I'd need a different filter or maybe I need to get rid of this device. Or you start thinking about habits. Like, you know what I really need to do is get up at 5.30 every day and do a morning routine. That's what the habit that I need to deal with that relapse. Because the relapse we know is an indication that something in our plan needs to change, right? We kind of have that idea that, hey, something's off if we're relapsing. Um, but a lot of times our first impulse is just being stuck in our head. We're, we're, we're either feeling guilt and shame uh, from, from what happened, we're having that kind of hangover or residue, um, or, or then we just start trying to problem solve, like, well, maybe I should just do a morning routine, or maybe I should exercise more, or maybe I should do this or that. So here's what I recommend if you've just had a relapse. Instead of, like, tweaking and fine-tuning your plan and just sort of obsessively thinking about the things you could do, put that aside. Some of those things may be good, but put that aside. And here's what I suggest doing. For the next seven days after a relapse, commit to calling 
one person every day for seven days. Now, this is someone who knows about your recovery, maybe someone who you're doing recovery with. This is why being in a group like Rev, you know, where there's consistent, safe hope, uh, you know, consistent, safe guys um, who get it, you know, to connect with um, that. You know, that's why having a guy in your life like that is good. Now, why do I say meet with them every day or talk to them every day? It's because when you've relapsed, usually it's because you've gotten isolated. You've gotten isolated. You've gone back to some behaviors that you're trying to get rid of. So instead of trying to think your way out of that situation, and that's what we try to do. We try to, you know, we kind of get the idea that right thinking, like if we could just figure out the right solution, um, that would lead to right action, us taking the right action and moving forward. But a lot of times we need to just take an action and that leads to right thinking. So the action I'm, cons- I'm saying to take is commit to calling someone seven days in a row. Now you can figure out, hey, do I call him every morning? You can talk, you might talk to him for five to 10 minutes, or you might leave a message if you can't talk to him. But the idea is that you say, hey, uh, I've relapsed. This is what happened for the next seven days. Is it okay if I call you and just check in every morning? And you might need to check in more than once during the day. Uh, It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to talk an hour every time you talk. The idea is for you to establish that consistency of connection. Now, what happens when you establish consistency of connection is then you have a safe place to process anything you're thinking. Like, let's say you're feeling guilt or shame, or let's say that you've had an idea of an action you can take. You could say, hey, I'm kind of thinking I need to get rid of this device, or I need to take this action. The other person can hear that and go, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Why don't you do that? So you're actually following through. You're actually making yourself accountable versus just kind of sitting with it on your own and trying to think yourself out of the situation. You're getting that feedback. You're getting that connection. And in a way, too, you're also, um, it's a way to get rid of the shame. It's a way to get rid of that isolation. You're just forcing yourself to be humble and connect. And that's the, the basis for forming any meaningful change. In episode 127 of Porn Free Radio, I started a a mini-series called The Porn-Free Plan That Never Fails. You can get to it at recoveredman.com slash 127. And in it, I say after awareness, after we come to an awareness of our dependence on pornography, the most powerful action that we can take first is to form connection. Because out of meaningful connection, then we're able to make a recovery plan and actually activate it in community, and, and then actually follow through, review it with the people that we're, we're doing recovery with. And that's how we get to continual improvement. Uh, I think a lot of times guys want to skip. They want to go right from awareness to implementation, right? You, you realize, hey, I got a problem with porn. Let me watch some videos on YouTube, and then let me get a filter, and I'm, I'm done, right? I got it. We want to skip the part where we have meaningful connection, where we have to be humble, where we have to be honest. We want to skip that. 
And I'll get into that in a second, why I think we want to skip that uh, with my second topic. Uh, but it's what, what we do. So after a relapse, when you're kind of putting the pieces back together, don't do it by yourself. Commit to calling someone seven days in a row. And if you don't have that person, if you don't have some of those people who are consistent and safe, who you can be honest with, who are going to be encouraging and help give you hope, you know, if you don't have people in your life who kind of get this struggle, that's why you need to, to look into to being in a rev group or finding a group near you or visiting some other groups to try to find some of those people because that's what you need after a relapse uh, is connection and consistency. Uh, not just a bunch of habits that you're going to try and, you know, tweak. You know, you need that consistency and that connection and out of that, you can take the right action. All right, let's get into this second topic. I was talking to a guy the other day, and he said, Matt, I get it. I listen to the podcast. I've binge listened to the podcast. But deep down, I just want to get past this. I want to learn what I need to learn so porn can just be in the rearview mirror, and I don't have to think about it again. And he kind of said, what do you think about that? And the truth is, I get it. I get it. You know, I I know that you guys, I mean, I've done 165 episodes of Porn Free Radio. Uh, I run four rev groups a a week. I do private coaching, another probably five or six sessions a week. So I talk about porn a lot. So if anyone wants to put porn in the rearview mirror, some days it's me. <laughs> but why do I do this work? Why, why do I show up? Because part of my story, part of, part of my recovery has been taking the most shameful painful part of my life and sharing it with people and not hiding anymore. Now, not everyone is called to do a porn-free radio podcast, right? I've said that before. Part of this work, part of this recovery, part of this podcast is not about just, you know, packing up porn in a, in a, in a Loctite box and burying it. Part of it is saying, hey, there's a reason I connected with porn. There's needs that were there. There's things that set me up for porn. There's weaknesses. There's pain. And part of the recovery is letting those things come to the surface, not burying those things. Now, 
I think it's possible to put porn in the rearview mirror. You don't have to structure your life thinking about porn recovery. But getting those needs met, dealing with emotions in healthy ways, not coping with porn and porn behaviors, that's something you're going to have to keep doing. You know, there's not going to be a time, I don't think for most guys who listen to this show, where porn is not going to be an attractive option to you. You're not all of a sudden going to lose your taste for naked women or naked guys or people having sex. Like, there's a reason that we struggle with this, giving it up. There's something that we find exciting, stimulating, even joyful in pursuing this kind of content. There's something that comes alive in us when we watch it. That's not going away, that propensity to be engaged and to be excited and stimulated by porn. That's not going away. But our need, our our dependence on it, our compulsiveness, our obsession with it can, can go away. That is part of the healing. So I uh, wanted to share a quote that's been really meaningful to me by Brene Brown. And she said this in her book, Rising Strong. She has a couple books. Another one's called Daring Greatly. Uh, she's a sociologist in Houston. And uh, she shared probably the world's, one of the world's most viewed TED Talks. Um, I, I first saw it, I think, like, maybe eight or 10 years ago on vulnerability and it has a billion views or something, some crazy amount of views. And, um, and so she has this quote and I want to break it down. It's actually a long quote. I'm going to break it down uh, to answer this question about what about putting this stuff in the rear view mirror? She says this, the irony is that we attempt to disown are difficult stories to appear more whole or more acceptable. But our wholeness, even our wholeheartedness, actually depends on the integration of all our experiences, including the falls. Brene Brown. So let me break this down. So in our attempt to be more whole or more acceptable, we want to disown our difficult stories. (laughs) We want to basically hide our weaknesses. But Part of wholeness, part of wholeness is really starting to um, be honest about things, right? To be honest, to get healing, you know, to let those wounds heal. But our first impulse is to disown anything that's difficult. And why do we do this? I think with pornography specifically and dealing with this issue, there's a lot of shame. You know, we, we have this uh, 
this script that plays in our head. What would people think? Even if we know people love us, we think deep down if they really knew about this part of our life, they would reject us. You know, so, and there's also like an embarrassment to this. You know, some of us, especially if we're in, uh, for a person of faith, or even if we're just, uh, we don't have to have a, a personal faith, but even if we just feel like, hey, I just want to live a life of integrity and this doesn't seem to match my values. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, a listener went and saw, you know, Norm MacDonald, the comedian in Las Vegas. And he said it was, you know, Norm's kind of a, a comedian who, who swears and pushes the envelope. And he's a, I, I personally like him, but I don't necessarily recommend him uh, if you're sensitive uh, to language and other stuff. But I guess at one point he started talking about porn in his uh, in his uh, performance. And he basically talked about porn titles. And I don't know, like he just said, you know, I don't remember what he said, but it was something along the lines of this messy slut wants X, Y, Z, right? And um, it's just an idea. And uh, I'm not sure what the exact phrase was, but Norm says this thing. He goes, you know, it's funny, like porn sort of presents like this was her idea, you know, this video and what she wants, but... He says, I have a strong suspicion that this was kind of the fella's idea who shot this video, who put this together. And I think like sometimes we we want to pretend like porn is really just um, you know, just this content that we like to engage with. It's 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 sort of harmless or whatever. But deep down, our pursuit of porn really comes out of our, our narcissism. It comes out of this sort of dark place in us. And so we want to, you know, it's really our idea. It's not her idea. It's not that she's just sharing her own exhibitionism with us. It's like we want to see this, this, this thing. You know, we want to use her image uh, for our own pleasure. And we think if people really knew that about us, really knew the, the depth of obsession, the depth of narcissism, we'd be rejected. And believe me, that's hard. That is a difficult story to tell. If you've ever had to share with your wife or your partner about some of the things you've done in pursuit of porn, it is a difficult story to tell with not a lot of great explanations. I don't know why I clicked on this. I don't know why I lied about this. I don't know why that aroused me, right? If you really have the hard, the hard conversation, what you looked at, when you looked at it, why you looked at it, why you lied about it, it is a really difficult story. But when we pretend like it's not there, when we kind of shove it down and we want to put up that image of the guy who has it together, that image of wholeness, even if we're in recovery, we're dangerously getting close to how we lived when we were hidden in our addiction, 
I mean, think about how was it when you were totally hidden in porn, right? What did you do? Did you tell everyone, hey, I've been just looking at porn all week and I'm binging? No, of course not. You hid it. You kept it quiet. You didn't draw attention to it. When you were with your wife or your partner or your coworkers or your buddies or when you were at church, you presented an image like you had it together, like th this wasn't a struggle. So when we move into re recovery, we can't use the same playbook. We can't go, okay, yeah, I'm going to get some coaching and yeah, I'll tell this person about my struggle, but otherwise I'm going to pretend like nothing else has changed. See, you, you, you end up playing a role again where you're presenting wholeness, you're, you're presenting the acceptable image, but you're not really whole. You're still hiding. So what does Brene Brown say? She says our wholeness even our wholeheartedness actually depends on the integration of all our experiences. We can't discount this powerful pattern that's been in our lives, some of us, for 30, 40 years. We can't just all of a sudden pretend like this wasn't a part of us. Now, does this mean you walk into work on Monday morning and go, guess what, guys, I'm a porn addict? No, of course not. But does it mean that the people who you're having meaningful relationship in your life or these relationships that you're creating where there's deeper connection and safety and honesty, does it mean that you pretend for them? That, you, that you're more interested in looking acceptable than actually being whole? You know, I, I used to have a line that I think I came up with. If I didn't, if there's an author out there who originally said this, I forgive me, but I feel like I came up with this. Uh, I used to be in a group uh, where we talked about, uh, we talked about men and women being good gifts to one another. So we talked about, you know, the idea that God creates us and, and that, that ultimately we have purposes and callings and we want to be good gifts to the people in our lives. And I remember saying this. I said, some of you, I remember looking at the group, some of you are more interested in looking like a good gift than actually being a good gift. Do you follow that? And if you think about your recovery, if you think about this journey out of porn and porn behaviors, some of you are still more interested in looking like a good gift, looking acceptable than actually being acceptable, than being whole. As I said, you know, we lived for so many years in the shadows, kind of a divided life with a lack of integrity. Yeah, I love the word integrity. Um, not... You hear it a lot in, and I hear it a lot in religious circles, Christian circles in particular. And integrity is kind of that catchphrase that guys use when they talk about porn and sexual behaviors and stuff like that. Like, I want to be a man of integrity. But, you know, I looked up the definition of integrity. 
or one of the definitions. And it talked about the integrity of a ship, a ship's hull. Imagine you have a huge ocean liner and they talked about the integrity was the wholeness, the, the, the intactness of the actual uh, body of the ship. So imagine that you have a nice ship and it looks really good above the surface of the water, but underneath the surface, there's a little crack. There's a little hole. What's going to happen? The hull is going to start taking in water. And as it takes in water, and I'm not a physicist, you know, it's going to sink or worse, the water, the pressure is going to start to breach the hole more. Like it's going to, the, the different pieces of the, uh, the ship are going to start to, to shift and crack. So if you think about your life right now, your recovery as being a ship, if you're trying to disown those difficult stories, if you're trying to hide all the falls and all these experiences and some of these things you've done in the pursuit of your addiction, if you're trying to hide all that stuff and push it below the surface, but, but yet those cracks are there, those places aren't fully healed, you're not actually getting needs met that you need met, you still have vulnerabilities that have gone unaddressed. If you push those below the surface, yeah, you might look like things are going pretty good up top, on the top deck. But if you allow those cracks to stay there and try to hide them, they will be your undoing. That ship will breach, that, that hole will collapse in on itself. And then the whole thing sinks. I'm a big believer in integration. My, you know, I talk about my why. You know, I talk about why. Episode 95, I talk about getting your own why in recovery. My why is really simple. I'm sick and tired of agreeing with the lie that I'm unlovable, and I want to be the same on the inside as on the outside. That's it. For years, I believed the lie that I was unlovable. And when I agreed with that lie, porn seemed like a good idea. I feel unlovable. I feel down. I feel rejected. Okay, I'm going to look at this woman undressing. I'm going to look at her eyes. I'm going to look at her breasts. I'm going to look at her body. I'm going to take it in and I'm going to try to feel her affirmation, her gaze, her love, whatever. And the more intimate she is, the more that she exposes, the more that she does on screen that feels naughty or exciting, the more love I'll potentially feel. That's, that's what I did. But what am but what am I agreeing with when I do that action? I agree that I'm unlovable, that I need this to take care of me somehow. And you know, when the video ends, when I turn off the computer or the phone or the Xbox or, you know, whatever other device, close the magazine, turn off the video player, turn off the TV, 
what am I left with? I'm now left with these feelings of shame and guilt after relapse, which makes me feel what? More unlovable. So I'm moving away from that. I don't want to agree with the lie that I'm unlovable anymore. What am I moving towards? This is it. I want to be the same on the inside as on the outside. I don't want all my difficult stories and vulnerabilities and weaknesses. I don't want them so below the surface that the friends and the safe people in my life can't see them. I want those con- safe, I want those consistent, safe, honest, hope-filled people who get it to see me, to see some of the cracks, to help me. That's where I find my wholeness. Real wholeness. You know, where the good and the bad is integrated together, where I get healing for the things I need healing for, where wounds get healed where weaknesses get patched up, where my scars are visible. You ever see someone who's had a life-defining surgery, like, like they had a, like a transplant of an organ? Ask to see their scar. They're not shameful about their scar. They're, they're like, this freaking saved my life. This surgery, this, ogre, this uh, donor organ saved my life. They'll open up their shirt and show you the scar. They're not trying to hide that, Right? It's life-giving, and that's what happens when we start to get real healing in this area. We start to lose the shame. We start to lose this idea that, hey, we want to walk around looking acceptable or looking whole. We start to lose that, even that impulse, and we start going like, hey, here's the scar. Let me show you. Yeah, this really screwed up my life, and here's some things I did. Here's what happened. Here's the people who helped me, and boom, here's the scar. Our wholeheartedness actually depends on the integration of all our experiences, including the falls. There's another quote by a friend of mine named Andy Comiskey. I've said this before on the podcast. Healing is not the absence of struggle. It's the increasingly whole person who's free to be honest about ongoing Struggles, ongoing brokenness, ongoing weakness. I mean, I know someone is trustworthy when they lead with some of their vulnerability and weakness rather than just pretending like everything's okay, presenting the acceptable image. You ever been in a recovery group where a guy just comes every week and just pretends like everything's seashells and balloons? It's hard to trust it, right? Come on. I I get that people sometimes have sobriety, but if you talk to someone who's even had two, three years of sobriety, they sometimes have a tough week. 
right? There's still, you know, pulls that they experience. There's still sort of ideas that jump into their head. There's still areas of weakness. There's still, you know, there's feelings that are coming up. A lot of times if you get some significant recovery, guess what you get? More feelings, more difficult feelings. That's right. You know, I used to say I went through my 20s without crying. It's because I didn't feel sadness. I didn't feel rejection. I didn't feel depression. Why? Because I had porn to cover that over. So I was kind of muted. You know what? I didn't feel a lot of joy either or happiness. I had a kind of a cap on how much happiness I could feel. The irony is that we attempt to disown our difficult stories to appear more whole or more acceptable. But our wholeness, even our wholeheartedness, actually depends on the integration of all our experiences, including the falls. Guys, I hope this helps. This is fun. I can't wait to get back in the studio next week and record another episode of Porn Free Radio. Until then, you can get the show notes of this show at recoveredman.com slash 165. That's recoveredman.com slash 165. You can get access to that Brene Brown video, the vulnerability one. I'll have a link to it. Uh, you can also apply for Rev Group Coaching and get on one of the waiting lists or join our Euro Rev Group. And, of course, you can contact me at recoveredman.com if you want to send an email uh, or ask a question. Just if you do send an email, just let me know if there's anything I need to keep private. Um, even though <laughs> this is a safe place, I want it to be confidential. If you need it to be confidential... And um, it's okay. Not everyone is called to share everything in their life on Porn Free Radio like I am. Uh, but so feel free to send me an email, a question, and let me know if there's anything I need to create private. All right, guys, until next time, take hope, take action, be good. Thanks for listening to Porn Free Radio at pornfreeradio.com. To work with Matt one on one, Go to pornfreeradio.com forward slash coaching and help us get the word out by subscribing to Porn Free Radio in iTunes and leaving a rating and review.